Off the ball. Feels like we're in the running already. There's still half a season to go. I'm not sure how long you can maintain that sort of nervous energy, that emotional intensity. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Off the ball daily. And you're welcome to Off the Ball here on News Talk. John Duggan sitting in for John Malloy on your Sunday until 7. We hope you're doing okay around the country. Thank you for tuning in. And there's a lot on this afternoon. As always on a Sunday, the return of the Allianz Football League. We have all the analysis from the All-Ireland Champions, Kerry, in their visit to Donegal. And also the reaction as well from Cork's game against me, the Porky Cueve. Also week two of the Ladies Football League. We'll keep you right up to date with the scores from around the country in those matches. Sports writers Gavin Comiskey and Michael Verney will join us for the Sunday paper review from half one. Between four and five, we'll speak to author Dermot Looney and former St. Pat's boss Brian Kerr about Dermot's new book on the club called Saints Rising. A really good read. So looking forward to chatting to both of them then. There's also the Best of Golf Weekly. So much more besides there's so much sport live for going on and all the reaction to come you can text us 53106 at the cost of 30 cents you can also tweet us at off the ball don't forget you can get all of our content interviews videos podcasts breaking news and more on the OTB Sports app as well as always delighted to be joined on the news round by Anne-Marie Donnellan and Aidan Delaney Anne-Marie and Aidan how is the form? Good all afternoon good. John all good and Novak's done it again Novak's it was a year ago and now it's Novak yeah, Novak Djokovic beat Greek Stefanos Tsitsipas in straight sets this morning to win the Australian Open for a record extending 10th time. The victory in Melbourne marked his 22nd Grand Slam title, which sees him return to world number one and equal Rafa Nadal's record. This also comes, as you mentioned, John, just 12 months on from the Serbian being deported from the country ahead of last year's tournament due to his vaccine status. Speaking after today's match, he said it was extra special. I have to say that this has been one of the most uh, challenging tournaments I've ever played in my life, considering the circumstances. Um, not playing last year, coming back this year, and I want to thank uh, I want to thank all the people that made me feel welcome, made me feel comfortable uh, to be in Melbourne, to be in Australia. Um, there is, there is a reason why I've, I've, I've played my best tennis throughout my career in Australia and on this court in front of uh, legendary Rod Laver. Thank you so much for being present tonight, sir. I, I try, to, try to pinch myself and really live through these moments and it's a long journey and uh, this probably is the, I would say, biggest victory in my life considering the circumstances. Well... Novak, I mean, a year ago, it felt like this story was going on forever. Mm-hmm. It was the biggest saga. And the year, obviously, things move fast and COVID seems a whole blur at that time, as, as serious as it was. But he's, he's, a, he's a very resilient man. He certainly is, and particularly with the, the sort of injury struggles that he's had this week as well. He never really looked like losing the final. Uh, pass kind of put it up to him a bit in the second and third set, but once he kind of smashed that opening set, it was always going to be Novak versus himself, really, if he could just yeah. maintain his, his high standards and, and not get too kind of flustered with everything else going on, because he does kind of get on the, the court and he's kind of distracted by other things, and we had the whole bathroom breaks thing earlier on in the tournament and that kind of thing, but, you know, Novak once he kind of kept himself on a, on a level pegging Sitsipas you know tried hard but was never really going to get there yeah so he's what is he level with Nadal now yes yeah 22 grand slams and we were just myself and Anne-Marie were talking about you know where's Nadal really going to add to his total it's really going to be a you know Roland Garros it's going to be a French Open whereas you look at 
uh, Djokovic, he's going to win basically everywhere. And I saw there was a tweet there from um, Kyrgios earlier on uh, saying that you know he's put a number on it. He reckons he'll get 28 Grand Slams. And that just seems absolutely bizarre that he'd win another six even with the, the injuries and stuff that he's had. Feels like there's so much more in the tank with Djokovic mm. than Nadal, Nadal, obviously, yeah. yeah. And then also, who's coming up behind him? I know Medvedev beat him in that US Open uh, final to deny him the calendar Grand Slam, but it doesn't seem like there is the caliber coming up to um, take him on, really. So it does look like, yeah, 27, 28 is probably about right. So he's 36 in May, Novak Djokovic from Serbia. And I was going through here, his first Australian Open title, 2008. He's never lost a final. 10 finals, 10 wins, something else. I think you were saying as well in the second set, he looked to struggle, but still he saw it out. Like, it's just so hard to beat him. That's what I was saying. You know, the fact that, you know, Tsitsipas was putting it up to him and and taking him to tie breaks, but it was just once Novak kind of calmed himself down a little bit and just remembered the kind of stature that he has in the game and and just remembered his kind of, his basics really, he kind of forced Tsitsipas to, to kind of, throw himself into deeper ends than I think he was maybe comfortable with and you know the unforced error started to come in a bit more but it was really Djokovic versus Djokovic and you know he came out the winner Yes yeah, so Novak Djokovic uh, coming through uh, listeners out there 53106 is it, this is a legacy question at all for, for the tennis is it still Federer who's the greatest of all time even if he doesn't have the numerical advantage that Nadal and Djokovic have in, in Grand Slam winning tennis interesting to see what the listeners think about this who's the greatest men's tennis player of all time might not be any of the three could be somebody else that you prefer like Beyond Borg or something like that but uh, yeah interested to hear what people have to say after Novak Djokovic won the tournament thing everybody expected him to win when Nadal went out early on. And now Rory McIlroy is burning up the course in Dubai today, Anne-Marie. Yeah, he's top of the leaderboard after his third round of the Dubai Desert Classic. John, he shot a seven under par round of 65 today. That leaves him 15 under for the tournament and three shots clear now of the chasing pack. His good friend Patrick Reed is back in a tie for fifth on 11 <laughs> under par. But as I say, it's advantage Rory here. Three shots clear of the chasing pack and the event is to finish on Monday tomorrow. That's after several weather delays over the first two days severe rain in the desert none of Padraig Carrington, Shane Lowry or Tom McKibben made the cut unfortunately they all finished up on one over par yesterday I think with Rory the moment uh, Liv gets into the conversation it seems to turn him into Superman <laughs> and he's able to find another gear and that's been the case now for about a year going to world number one like John Ram faltered yesterday actually it was Max Homa who won in uh, in Tarry Pines at the Farmers Insurance Open and Rory's really really put it up to everybody else and that's that's great to see that there seems to be a motivation to his his play at the moment so that's brilliant um, we have loads of get a games action in terms of the men's and women's football leagues this weekend Anne-Marie so what we got going on well, Mayo and Galway played out a draw in Division 1 of the Alliance National Football League in Castle Bar last night. Rhino Donoghue kicked a last gasp point for the home side to see it finish up all square in Kevin McStay's first game in charge of the green and red. The final score there, Mayo 1-11 to Galway's 2-8. James Carr with the goal for the hosts, an early contender for goal of the season, that one. While Matthew Tierney and man of the match, Sean Kelly, found the back of the net for the tribesmen. You're from Galway. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I was at the game. Uh, right. It was good. Uh, were there many there? 
Yeah, over 13,000, around 13,600 What did it feel like then? Yeah, there was a really good atmosphere. There was obviously an anticipation for this and obviously a curiosity about both sides coming into it because Galway had such a good year last year, kind of came out of nowhere, a little bit unexpected and people were wondering would they be able to um, go again or was that a kind of a one-hit wonder? And then Mayo, obviously the curiosity around them is because they had such a poor performance by their standards in the championship last year and obviously the new manager Kevin McStay so highly regarded in the game him coming in could they get a bit of a bounce off that so there was an anticipation in Castle Bar and Mayo always kind of bring a bit of X factor and Mayo Galway as well the rivalry two teams that hate to lose to each other so particularly in the kind of dying minutes of the game nobody wanted to lose and I think a draw was a fair result Galway probably the better side in the first half but they only went in two points up at half time they possibly should have gone in more and then Mayo kind of came into the game more so in the second half and to be honest in the last few minutes both sides could have won it Galway kind of gave the ball away quite easily and Mayo kicked two bad wides so I don't know if either side fully deserved to win it so a point apiece was probably pretty fair but yeah good game especially for the first week of the league obviously the rivalry adds to it and as I said the fact neither of them like to lose to each other obviously a bit rusty as well Stakes and fitness wouldn't be at top championship level yet, but good game. And I think they both will be there or thereabouts as we go into the season. I don't think Galway was a one hit wonder yeah. from seeing last night. I don't think so. There's a motivation there as well, and there's a hunger to go again. And Mayo, well, there's always a hunger with Mayo. And obviously, they've missed day coming in and bringing on big names as well last night, like O'Connor and Aidan O'Shea. You know, they can still lift a crowd no matter how much. Um, they kind of bring to a side they can still bring a kind of an, a bounce to a team so when they get that them back into starting positions and then they have to add the likes to Paddy Durkin as well they'll come on a huge amount as well so yeah good game OK with Armagh beating Monaghan what 114 to 112 Tiernan Kelly from play in the first half as well there and uh, Brian Fenton's goal was good enough for Dublin who beat in Kildare 111 to 13 points at Croke Park in Division 2 round 1 um, so we had, what, eight players in the Kerry game plus Conal Callahan, and uh, then the Division 2 round one at Owen Begg. Derry, 16 points, Limerick, four. And Conor Glass and Ethan Doherty started. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy about that. A lot of people surprised. There was originally the three Glen players were named, but it was Glass and Doherty who started for, uh, six days on from an All-Ireland final and not just any All-Ireland final, an All-Ireland final that we know has had this massive cloud of controversy. So some people saying that perhaps that's not totally fair on them, that they don't get any sort of a break. But the two of them did start and they beat Limerick so convincingly. Did they really need the two of them? It might have been a case that the players actually wanted to play. Maybe they just Perhaps, wanted to get yeah. back out on the pitch and kind of put all the distractions behind them and, and just actually... Or maybe to keep fit for the replay. Maybe, maybe <laughs> to keep fit for the replay as well. Um, Derry, you know, I, I had I caught a couple of clips on this on social media and uh, Derry are one of those sides that you kind of expect them to kick on. Obviously got to an All-Ireland semi-final and the, the reigning Ulster champions, but like Galway, I don't think they're going to be a flash in the pan either. They really should have gotten out of Division 2 yesterday and, and didn't, or last year and didn't so I think that's definitely going to be a focus for them this year and you know another Ulster title probably isn't too far away either 
There's a story in the back of The Sun here. Jim set for Morn men about Jim McGuinness taking a coaching role with Down. And Ashley and O'Reilly will have more on this later on. But we, we believe this is... There's so many Jim McGuinness stories that have done the rounds over the last few years since he left Donegal after such a successful time with Donegal. But this is this is believed to have legs, this story. It is the case, I think, we believe that Jim McGuinness will be part of the Down backroom team for this year. So that's fascinating. They haven't won the Ulster title, I think, since 1994, Dan. So... Uh, watch this space obviously they reached the final in 2010 and they're they're looking to, to, to kick on after Kilku's exploits at club level in terms of the football this afternoon what do we have then Ashley uh, coming up uh, from Donegal Kerry and then Amory, what do we got in terms of fixtures yeah so there are a number of games today Roscommon take on Tyrone in their Division 1 opener that is at Dr Hyde Park throw in there is at half past one while a half an hour later All-Ireland champions Kerry who are of course also the league champions are away to Donegal Donegal so hard to beat in Bally Buffet in Division 2 then Cork welcome Meath and their new manager Colm O'Rourke to Porky Cueve that throws in at half one as well. Elsewhere in that division, Clare and Louth meet in Cusick Park at two o'clock. Antrim then face Offaly in Division Three. Westmeath welcome Cavan to Mullingar. And in Division Four, Leitrim and Washford is at Pork Sean McDermott this afternoon, while Leash go to Sligo. There's also Ladies National League action, the Lidl Ladies National League. Clare currently lead Wexford a goal and a point to a point, Clare in the lead there. At two o'clock then, Galway and Dublin in Division 1 is in Galway, while at the same time, Waterford host Neighbours Cork. Monaghan and Tyrone take each other on in Division 2. Also in that division, Westmeath host Leash, while Roscommon welcome Armagh to their fixture and also Tipperary host Cavan. Okay, uh, 5316. Pete Samper is still the greatest, says Owen Arahini. Uh, the only thing uh, Owen, as great as he was at Wimbledon, never won the French Open, never won on clay. That might be a, a, an argument against him. Evan Ferguson starts for Brighton against yes. Liverpool. The fourth round of the FA Cup continues today with three fixtures taking place. First up, Brighton host Liverpool, having beaten them 3-0 in the Premier League just two weeks ago. As you say, Evan Ferguson has been named to start there for the Seagulls at the Amex. He was involved in their second goal in that 3-0 win over the FA Cup holders. He provided the assist for the second goal. Looking ahead to that game is George Alderman. With the FA Cup holders about to arrive for a game, many people are tipping you to win. The last thing you need is uncertainty over one of your key players. But that's the situation Brighton find themselves in, with Moses Caicedo told to take time off until after the transfer deadline, after asking to leave following interest from Arsenal and Chelsea. Albion are aside in form, though, and visitors Liverpool have problems of their own. Jurgen Klopp insists he's not become a bad manager overnight, despite their struggles this season. It's all to play for at the Amex, as Brighton take on Liverpool in the FA Cup fourth rounds. As you say, Evan Ferguson starts there for Brighton and the Liverpool team is Alisson in goal with a back four of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Abraham Canate, Joe Gomez and Andy Robertson. In midfield then it's Thiago Bajaktik and Naby Keita while Cody Gakpo, Mo Salah and Harvey Elliott start up front for Jurgen Klopp's side. Elsewhere today, the EFL Championships Stoke City welcomes Stevenage to the Bet 365 Stadium from 2 o'clock and then later on Wrexham will hope to continue their dream run when they entertain Sheffield United Wrexham I think owned by Ryan Reynolds 
And Ryan McElhenney, is it? Ryan McElhenney, yeah. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Bringing a bit of Hollywood to the... Uh, have you seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. Have you? I have, yeah, yeah. It's a great show. It's they're making a Netflix documentary on this story. I think they're there today. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's w- Welcome to Wrexham. It's, it's on... Is it Netflix? It's one of them. There, so, there's like yeah. a second season coming up, I think. Oh, right, so, okay. Yeah. I haven't been following it. So is it any good? It's only Sunny in... I haven't seen it yet, but uh, you'd imagine there's a bit of star power in there, and you know we've seen. Oh, no, the, doc- the thing that's that Philadelphia thing is that any good? Oh yeah, that's that's it's one of those TV shows where it's a bit like Seinfeld in the fact that it's kind of about nothing. It's just yeah, these kind of friends, it's just and a they're silly comedy. Yeah, they're they're very silly. They're, it's <laughs> they're sort of horrible people, and you kind of want to root against them a little bit. But just the the, the connection between the cast, I think, is is something that really. Yeah, Kilkenny's Tom O'Connor involved for Exum as well, of course. Deadpool, have anybody seen that? Yeah, big fan of that one. Is that good, yeah? Yeah, it's it's one of those, it's kind of the renaissance of Ryan Reynolds' career. It was something that he was trying to get made for years and years, and he had played the character in, uh, I think it was a Wolverine film about kind of five, six years before, and that was kind of one of his big flops, and and then kind of spent the next five, six years trying to get this film made, and it was a, a stormer in the end. You should be on screen time with John Farrell. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, we'll get you on. Uh, so Celtic involved as well today. Amber. They look to open up a nine-point gap on Rangers at the top of the Scottish Premiership table today. They're away to Dundee United at four o'clock. Before that, Livingston host Hearts at half past one. There's just one game in the United Rugby Championship today. Zebra hosts the Ospreys from three o'clock. Racing-wise, so we, William Mullins having 4,000 winners uh, yesterday. Incredible achievement with, with the opener at Ferry House. And Jack Kennedy, I suppose, the question about him is, is he going to be fit for Cheltenham? Yeah, jockey Jack Kennedy says he has to wait, do as his doctors say, and hope that he'll be fit to ride at the Cheltenham Festival in March. He broke his leg for the fifth time in a fall at Nace at the start of the month. He was walking on crutches when visiting Cheltenham yesterday where their trials day took place. He won the Gold Cup, obviously, at the festival on Manila Indo two years ago. He spoke with Mike Vince yesterday on the latest about his injury and the all-important March question. I have, like, I've been very lucky to to get to be in the the position I'm in, really uh, riding riding good horses and, and things. So um, I suppose I'm lucky and unlucky in ways. But um, uh, for for all the, the the good winners I've had, I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't um, swap all the, the the injuries either. I I I'd take them for the, the the winners I've had. Yeah. Everybody will hope that you'll be back here in March, um, and I suppose it's you have to do it stage by stage. Is there some sort of big doctor's appointment or something coming up where we you take stock of where we are on that? Yeah, uh, not really. No, kind of just the the doctors are just uh, taking it step by step. Um, it's probably something that can't be rushed. So hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, it'd be great, great to be to be to be here to be here in March. But um, it's too early to say yet. Yeah. But knowing you, you'll be here in March. Let's yeah. all pray it'll be with a saddle and not a set of crutches. Hopefully, hopefully, with the help of God. Um, yeah, so touch woods, we'll see how we go anyway. Yeah. Well, as you've had some of your best days here, haven't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, all of my best, all of my best days, really. Yeah, um, they've been, they've been amazing. So, uh, yeah, touch wood, there'll be many more of them, hopefully. 
Jack Kennedy there. Hopefully he has more good days to come at Cheltenham. And today's racing here at home is at Nace. A seven race card has gotten underway and the first race there has concluded. The Willie Mullins trained Ramillies has won that with jockey Paul Townend on board. That was after going off the odds on favourite. Off the ball. Feels like we're in the running already. There's still half a season to go. I'm not sure how long you can maintain that sort of nervous energy that emotional intensity subscribe now to the OTB football podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB sports app